completed in the study. She imagined his marble-knobbed cane propped just so against the bookcase beside his chair. To be fair, she'd never actually seen Horace Buford walking with a cane, but she felt certain there must be one looming in his very near future. A future she was determined not to share, no matter her father's opinion which her mother would quietly support, never giving voice to her own thoughts on the matter, if she even had thoughts of her own, which was another frustration. Alexandra loved her mother. She simply didn't understand her. At times she felt as if she scarcely knew her. And all of this, Alexandra thought, as she climbed the steps to the front porch, was what a sister was for to share all the secrets, the heartaches, and fears, the frustrations that came with seeking to honor the two people who had given her life. But how did she do that when her parents' hopes and plans for her life differed so vastly from her own? At twenty-five, she'd expected to be beyond all this, but life hadn't turned out at all as she'd expected. The daisies in the pots by the top step looked freshly watered, yet still showed signs of fatigue beneath the blazing August sun. She could commiserate. She felt more than a little worn herself. She'd wanted to forego the midweek Nashville Women's League meeting that morning, but her mother had insisted she attend, while claiming she herself was too burdened by the heat to accompany her. The Jameson name must be represented, Alexandra, she'd said. After all, we're one of Nashville's founding families, and we must stay abreast of all the latest goings-on, and the gossip there is always so rich. All that talk of who was marrying whom, of what was best served at high tea, of Godie's latest fashions— Though the League did routinely undertake a number of worthy pursuits to help the needy, the trappings and topics of high society simply weren't Alexandra's cup of tea anymore. Not after David. Not after Dutchman's Curve. She reached for the front doorknob, aware of her defenses rising. This house had long ceased being a safe haven, especially when she knew her father was home. Did all daughters feel this way about their fathers? Yet another question for the sister she didn't have. He hadn't approved of her choice in David. David was a teacher, and a gifted one, but that wasn't prestigious enough for father. The handsome brass placard by the front door bearing her father's name shone with a deeper luster than usual. He must have had Melba polish it that morning— which only meant one thing, a prospective client. Alexandra glanced back at the carriage, heartened that perhaps it wasn't old Mr. Horace Buford waiting inside after all. She opened the door as the blast of a train whistle split the morning air. Its shrill sound brought her up short and prodded memories best left undisturbed. Images of splintered railway cars and broken bodies— screaming wheels and grinding steel that was heard over two miles away. She squeezed her eyes tight as the familiar sense of loss flooded back through her. Tomorrow it would be one year.
How could so much time have passed? Especially when a part of her still felt stranded back there on that horrific morning on Dutchman's Curve. As long as your loved one lives on in your memory, he'll never really be gone, people said. But that was a lie. David was gone, and he was never coming back. The whistle blasted again, sounding closer this time, and she could smell the acrid scent of smoke and cinders in her memory, could feel the unearthly jolt of the train as the car she'd been riding jumped the rails, and she could still see David's broken, partially burned body that had been laid out in the cornfield alongside the others. She hurried inside and slammed the door behind her, working to shut out the haunting sights and sounds. Miss Alexandra, you all right?